Back in 1972, a poll that accidentally ended up realizing that Walter Cronkite was the most trusted voice in America Hmm. ultimately ended up labeling him as such. And he was the most trusted voice in America, so to speak. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. I think a lot of people long for those days. It's like, we don't need to know what, what's going on here, so let's listen to Walter. Yeah. And there's some comfort in that. Yeah. Although I think it's incredibly naive to think that Walter was somehow a robot that's not biased. Yeah, and not to complicate the issue, but I'm saying the most trusted name in news, based on the fact that we just established that he can't be 100% unbiased and that he's human. So trusted is also based on who you ask. Right. I'm sure there were groups back then that would have told you, no, he's not representing the stuff I care about. And and, and this gets a little bit more philosophical, but I remember being so annoyed that I had to take a class called historiography in my undergraduate degree. Doesn't yeah. that sound horrible? Yes, it does. Did you pick that or you had to do with it? <laughs> no, you had to. It was oh, the, it was the study the of the study of history. Does that wow. make sense? Wow. I but, like that. That's... But what we discovered in that was almost the whole thing was the idea of you need to understand what history is. And history is, in and of itself, biased. Anything from photographs are biased yeah. to the writers of an event are biased. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand bias exists everywhere, except Walter Cronkite. No, uh, also <laughs> Walter. But I, at least he was considered a trusted voice in America. The article wants to know, do we have a trusted voice today in America? You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. That's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle and I'm Brian. If you don't want to miss anything, all you have to do is just hit that subscribe button to get a notification whenever we drop a new episode. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. So you have to go back a few decades, according to this particular article, to remember when Walter Cronkite was the most trusted man in America. Mm -hmm. This is my last broadcast as the anchorman of the CBS Evening News. For me, it's a moment for which I long have planned, but which nevertheless comes with some sadness. For almost two decades, after all, we've been meeting like this in the evenings, and I'll miss that. I mean, you were like in college when he started on the air, weren't you? Yeah, right. I was a little kid. But for me, the most, well. No, you weren't even born yet. (laughs) Yeah, when he started, you weren't born. Oh, you said a couple decades. Oh, when he started. Yeah. The name sounds very familiar. I was going to say, I I was listening to Univision. That was the most trusted name in my house. What's his name? Jorge Ramos. And he was the Latino equivalent of Walter Cronkite. Like, if he said it, people were like, that must be true. Yeah. What was his name? Jorge Ramos. He was the, it was like the news channel. Remember, like, it was in those days. My dad worked literally next door to my house. He had a a mechanic shop. And so 5.30 on the dot, he didn't care who was there. He was in our living room watching the news. Yeah. (laughs) When it was like 30 minutes of news, and it was them giving the news. Oh, boy. That, absolutely. When I was a kid, there there was two layers of that. The first one was every evening we watched the evening news. As a family? Sure. Did they make you or you just... 
it just ended up happening yeah. because my parents were doing it. And for me, it was 5.30 to 6 was the local news, and mm-hmm. then 6 to 6.30 was the national news, as mm-hmm. I recall, mm-hmm. in the market where I lived. Okay. But then also my family, every Sunday, we had dinner at 6 o'clock. Why? Okay. 60 minutes. Oh, wow. Mm. And we slid the black and white TV across the counter. Yeah. And we'd sit in silence together and we'd watch 60 Minutes, which is really weird for little kids, obviously. Yeah. My parents wanted to watch it. And we didn't eat in front of the TV unless it was 60 Minutes. Well, did you converse about it? Sure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's and I mean, good. honestly, I wasn't bored by it as a kid. Yeah. Some of those interviews where they get up right in their face, like right up their nostril when someone's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And was that the same where Mike... Uh, Mike, somebody would jump out from behind the bush as they're leaving their office and (laughs) bush interview. Yeah. But even before that, so we had Walter Cronkite. The venerable Cronkite anchored the CBS Evening News for 19 years before retiring in 1981. His kind but authoritative baritone guided viewers through some of the most traumatic and dramatic events of the 20th century, Mm. including the assassinations of John F. Kennedy, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and Robert F. Kennedy, the civil rights movement in the South, the first man to walk on the moon, the Vietnam War, and Watergate. Like, if you want to look at newsreels of those events, you will see Walter Cronkite. That's Mm -hmm. cool. In 1972, prominent pollster Oliver Quayle wanted to determine the level of trust people had for those running for public office that year, including Richard Nixon, Ted Kennedy, and Hubert Humphrey. Inexplicably, the CBS anchorman uh, who ruled the network news was also added to this list. (laughs) So it's like... Who do you trust the most? Richard Nixon, Ted Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, or Walter Cronkite? Cronkite won out, though the survey didn't ask about his rivals, John Chancellor of NBC or Harry Reasoner of ABC. But that was enough for CBS to brand its news anchor the most trusted man in America. Do you think it's a fair assessment? Ron, and we should ask Ron this. Sorry, you know, I'm not going to... I'm Exaggerate very your young, age right very, now. very young. Yes, go ahead, Ron. Do you, do you feel that it was almost universally true that if Walter Cronkite said it, America believed it? Yeah, I can remember, um, I think it was ABC had Chet Huntley and David Brinkley, but I can't even remember who NBC's anchor was at that time. But Walter Cronkite was the the preferred in our family. Yeah, the news didn't have... As much editorializing and opinionating. There was count, point, counterpoint was a thing, remember? Yeah. I don't know when that came up, but I do remember that coming in. But even that was clearly defined to, we're going to show you two different viewpoints. Sure. And you can hear them. Not like I'm going to suddenly sway to one direction or the other and just keep talking. And while I say something completely opinion, it's in the same vein as I was just telling you facts before. Right. Which is how news, well, no, they don't start with the facts. They just go with opinion. Most cable news now is dominated by opinion, not reporting, right? Because nobody wants to watch reporting. I mean, it was only on for an hour a day for for most of TV history. There's only so much you can say, yeah. Yeah, and then you just say it all over again. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I've heard people say that Walter Cronkite was unbiased. It was back in the day of unbiased news. Is that possible, though? Um, Or maybe he just never let it be known, obviously. Yeah, I think he worked hard to to, uh, come off unbiased in his presentation. Was he unbiased? He had distinct viewpoints that, you know, you read about later and you're like, oh, I never knew you felt that way. 
What's interesting is I remember I, I recently listened to a podcast series on Watergate, and Walter Cronkite was convinced that Watergate was a major scandal and a major problem that should be paid attention to before America agreed. Uh-huh. And one, one evening he spent about, if I recall, about 20 minutes of his newscast on Watergate. Hmm. Is that what a uh, unbiased newsman does? Right. By the yes, way, yes, because he was right. <laughs> but does, it is a major. But does him being right make it unbiased? Or would the newscast be biased by ignoring that and report on the tulips in Holland, Michigan or something? But at the end of the day, it was his editorial biased decision that we ought to be listening to that. And I mean, yeah, he was right. But mm-hmm. I mean, who picks the top story in the newscast? Right. Walter. Yeah. He has choices. Yeah. So how does he pick them? His opinion. Yeah. So the idea that there was an era where news was unbiased is just simply not true. Now, it was more refreshing to not have all the commentary all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it appeared to be more official because of its reporting. But he certainly was the most trusted voice in America. This article wants to know, is there such a person today? Ray in Cleveland, what are your thoughts? I, I just had a couple thoughts. I, I, had a, uh, I took a couple classes in journalism. Uh, one of them was taught by an old school professor. Um, and, and I think ethics, which um, there, I, I know you guys have heard of SPJ, the Society of Professional Journalists. Yep. And they talk about specific standards that all journalists should uphold. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, I think another part of that is, as um, intelligent people and as Christians, we need to do our own research, not rely on other, other people or just say, well, if I'm going to go to this news source, yeah, it's, it's right. Well, do the, do the fact-checking, do the research. And, and then the last one I think is, is the most important, obviously, is prayer. I mean, yeah. your opinion, does it measure up against the Bible and, and what is right? And, and I, I think that in the process, we often lose our way. I, we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. Walter Cronkite made mistakes. But if, if we measure it against something that's, that's more perfect or a better bullseye, then we're more likely to hit that target. And I think that's the key. Now, Ray, uh, I'm glad you mentioned you you took some courses in journalism. I love what you have to say. Uh, Just to dig in a little deeper on this, journalism, I think, has changed in a sense where on cable news, the problem to me seems to be it's difficult to discern what's commentary and what's what's like sharing facts of a story. At the same time, I think on the Internet, it's become difficult to tell the difference between a news source that actually upholds journalistic standards versus a blog. Mm-hmm. where someone just says stuff because they like it and think it. What's your take on that? I, I totally agree. Uh, in, in the years ago, it was, well, editorials shouldn't be on the front page because people will mix it up with the news. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, with the loss of, of a lot of newspapers and, and the change in society and people wanting things very quickly and right now, um, that's that's affected the news. Uh, also, I'm not going to go into politicism, but a lot of major news corporations are owned by people with agendas. Yes. So I I think I think it co- again comes back to us, the consumers of the information. Are we informed? Are we, or are we too lazy? And I'm just as guilty. Are we too lazy? 
to do a little bit of fact-checking. Wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Maybe I should look into it a little bit more, do a little bit of research, rather than just automatically assume this is this or this is that. So do you think we have a, a Walter Cronkite today? Like, is there a one person you could go, yeah, that's today's Walter? I think... I don't know if there's a, a Walter Cronkite. Uh, I think... Um, there are people that are closer to what he he was, but um, and even certain news stations that are closer. But there's still, again, that undercurrent of bias. And again, it comes down to unfortunately, uh, money has become a big factor in affecting um, what stations cover and and how they cover it. And even if a person knows that this is the right thing, I, I, I know you said that Cronkite spent a lot of time on, on the uh, Watergate. Well, if he did the research, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it does, I yeah. Mean, mm-hmm. The old, the other thing with, with news is, is it was considered our watchdog. They're the ones to keep the uh, the politics and, and everything else in check yes. so that everyone else is, is safe. Yes, in fact, well, it, uh, the the press is often called the fourth branch of government unofficially because freedom of the press is what holds all three branches accountable. And were it not for the freedom of press, there's a number of scandals over the centuries in America that wouldn't have been uncovered. And so, in a sense, freedom of press is so essential because it's a check on government. Uh, and as that erodes, I think it makes me nervous. I don't know about you, Ray, but I just get a little concerned because... I don't think we have a, a Walter Cronkite today. So then the next question would be, do we need one? Does America today need a voice of, of like journalistic integrity and truth? Yeah, I, I, I think we do. I, I more I think about, it, I think, yes, I think we do. Ray, thanks so much for taking the time to call us. Appreciate that. Do you guys agree mm-hmm. with Ray? I think we do. And We're not it get scares it. me. Yeah. I don't even know how to begin or if we'll, if we'll ever get it, because what we hear a lot is don't trust the news mm-hmm. and it's fake news. Everybody's saying that like they don't, on every side. Yes. And it scares me because I hear it even in my personal circles. And I'm like, man, if we don't trust, we're even getting texts now. I don't trust anyone. What like what does that do to a society? Seriously, like I'm wondering. And I don't know it, what to do. it actually gets to that cynical question that Pilate kind of scoffed at Jesus. Mm. Pilate looked at Jesus and goes, what is truth? And then ultimately convicted him to death. Yeah. And I think that's where we're going to head next here is if there is no trusted voice in America and we don't have anybody we can trust, where does that leave us as followers of Christ? I remember a time when we as a church were really frustrated by something called moral relativism. Remember this? Yeah. I'd say for the better part of a decade, it dominated Christian discourse. We were very concerned about, especially among young people, the advent and the spread, even in the church of moral relativism. Are you saying like 80s, 90s? I'm saying 2000s. Oh. It may have even extended more than a few decades, but I think most of us probably remember this. Uh, and if, in case you don't remember, moral, moral re- relativism is the view that moral judgments are true or false only relative to some particular standpoint, and that no standpoint is uniquely privileged over all others. And so essentially, like, what is true 
what is true is what you feel is true. That's moral, moral relativism. Mm-hmm. People will be like, uh, it's hard to evangelize to those people. You'd be like, right. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And they'll say, awesome, cool. That's your truth, not mine. Yeah. It's difficult to argue with that. So Christians were rightfully concerned by that. Because what does moral relativism use to determine truth? Yourself as the barometer. And your feelings. Yeah. And we even see, again, in the Bible, Jesus declared himself to be truth. If you look at John 14, he says literally, I just quoted it, but John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Mm-hmm. He is declared to be, in the beginning of John, the Word of God. Jesus is the Word, and the Word is truth. We believe the Scriptures to be absolutely infallible and true. And we cling to that truth, right? There is an objective truth, and it is Christ. And throughout time, people have scoffed at the idea of truth. Again, I referenced it before, but it's worth looking at. When you get to John 18... 33, it says, Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, Is this your own question? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate retorted, Am I a Jew? You own people, and their their leading priest brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you're king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Then Pilate asked, what is truth? So we, as Christians, right, we're concerned about objective truth. We're worried about moral relativism. We live in an era where there's no more Walter Cronkite telling us, quote unquote, what's true, even though his is biased too. So what are we as Christians to do? How do we determine what's true? We've had people write to us throughout the week emphatically claiming that a particular fact is true and then someone else will write and emphatically claim the opposite fact is true. Mm Mm-hmm. How do we determine in 2021 what is true? Hey, it's Brian. Quick item for you. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener-supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. So rather than tiptoe, because I'm not good at that, or dance around it, because I certainly can't dance, I'm going to be direct. We need your money, your financial support. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks. My heart's been troubled in the last week or so for a lot of reasons that don't even need to be said because they're obvious. 
but one of them is because I just love Jesus. And Jesus declared himself to be truth. Yes. And I know how much as a Christian over the years we've all stood together and we've decried the dangers of moral relativism that determines truth based on just somebody's perspective. That moral relativism declares there is no truth, right. which is an affront to my Savior. Yeah. And so we find ourselves in an era, as this article indicates, that we really don't have a trusted voice in America anymore, like a Walter Cronkite, who mm-hmm. was America's most trusted voice. So, in an era where, honestly, one of the, the great debates in America right now is the, the very debate pilot started with Jesus. What is truth? So what do we do as Christians? How do we determine what's true? Because, Janelle, you've seen it. You and I have seen people share information with us. Yeah. That they are confident is true. Mm-hmm. And yet, multiple sources, credible, whether they're journalistic credible or public figures, totally disagree with that perspective. Yeah. So how, how do we determine truth as a Christian? It takes work. I think, like, if I'm going to do a deep dive on something and try to find out the truth, I've got to go to a variety of sources. I'm going to go to a source that I think, in my opinion, is left, and a source that, in my opinion, is right, and try to find any overlap there that they agree and and start with a piece like that. And then once you've got that broad spectrum, I'll probably go, like for me, I would go BBC or perhaps Reuters, something more international. Uh, Fake that news. Is, <laughs> that's less likely to be uh, tilted with an agenda like Fake the news, U.S. Ron. companies are. Fake news. Say it all you want, but that's now, what that's, I do. That's deep right there because one time <laughs> we went, when we were in Dominican Republic last time, and we were watching the news, and we were translating it to Len. Len was like, hold up. This is, like, way different to, <laughs> to what I hear in the States. And even me growing up here, I realized, like, wow, we don't. Like, I, it made me curious about how mm-hmm. other countries are reporting the same news we talk about and the different narratives that we are just used to hearing here. So that is one thing. I think we're very passive when it comes to com- consuming news mm. and maybe even lazy. Like, yes. we'll—I think that's why the commentary is very good, where we were talking about in the 90s, my dad would watch the news, 530 to 6. Now we get to have someone break it down for us and tell us, here's what this means to you, you know? And so we'll do, you talked about affirming. There was a term you used that I've used. Confirmation bias. Yes. And so you'll go to who you're like, okay, you line up with what feels comfortable. Tell me, how should I receive this? It's hard work to try to find truth these days. Mm -hmm. It is hard work. And that brings me to a couple of the texts we've been receiving for weeks maybe months, and a couple this morning of people saying the problem is, like, how do you even find it? What's a trusted news source? Someone saying people need help, and maybe you guys can help. Maybe you, Brian. How do you research? You guys should explicitly teach how to find opinion versus fact pieces. 
and how to find reputable sources. People have been asking and us that. You know, that. we've and we've correct me if I'm wrong, we've talked about that a number of times mm-hmm. with guests and by ourselves. Is it the source though? There is no source. You guys, no, you mentioned no going mm-hmm. to different ones. Other than the way, the truth, and the life, the scriptures, the infallible word of God, there is no truth, right? In terms of news, in Christ particular. is true, and we can yes. cling to the identity of Christ is true, and we as Christians are people of truth. And this is my major concern, because what th- th- this person, I understand what they're saying. People don't know how to find truth, right? They're, they need yeah. help. No, I don't think that's true, <laughs> which is kind of an ironic thing to say, but- I think we all know if you're in America, you've gotten a basic public education and you've learned how to do research. <laughs> I think that's a cop out. Yeah. Here's where I think the big problem is. I think we as Christians know how to determine how to find truth and search for it. But I think we've lost sight of how dangerous it is as people who believe in objective truth to question all truth. Think about the damage we do to the gospel when we question all truth and deny truth, we become people who, when someone says a fact, we mm-hmm. say it's not true. And people say, oh, how'd you know? Well, it's fake. Yeah. Someone just texted, and, and it's alluding to some of what you're saying with that last thing, saying people today, including news anchors and journalists, have a very difficult time distinguishing truth from opinion, but they also say they'll they'll believe a certain storyline and report it on the news or tell their friends, this is truth. So like you said, we just throw those labels out. And if you don't like it or if it doesn't line, no, that's fake, fake news. And that's confirmation bias and all that. Here's the tragedy. We hate moral relativism, to bring it full circle. We've talked about this. Moral relativism is the idea that something is true if I like it or or feel like it's true. But my truth isn't your truth. And we hate that as Christians. We are allowing our feelings to dictate what is true. And that's not how it works. Confirmation bias is not just something that happens out in the news. Like, for example, you might just say, let's say it's... 1980-something, and you love Ronald Reagan, and there's a a bad news story about him. Confirmation bias says, I'm going to go look until I find an article that agrees with me. Then that's the truth. That's confirmation bias. I believe it, therefore I'm going to search and find something that proves it, and there you go. You go with an agenda when you're searching for truth. People have done it all the time through the centuries with the scriptures, too. Think of it this way. Many slaveholders in in the South maintained their slaves' being subject to them with the Bible. Yeah, yeah, they did. Because what they're able to do is go, slavery is good in their minds, find some verses to agree it. Suddenly now you've made the Bible say something it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's confirmation bias. People do it all the time with any subject they want. They go, okay, I really feel this. So I'm going to find a way for the Bible to agree with it. That's so dangerous. So how do you catch yourself with this, especially in the news? I've said this before because I've seen people doing this. What you believe is true is true for you. Like you get caught up in it. So how do you get out of that and look at these issues more objectively? Like you would have to do that. And it's you get all wrapped up in it. Do you see what I'm saying? So how do you get out of it and then say, okay, now let me look at everything objectively and find the truth? I think there are ways to do it. And I I think it's an important conversation to have. We're going to get to that as we keep trying to answer Pilate's question of what is truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
in an era where this is perhaps the greatest challenge facing the church is how hard we work at challenging things, saying they're not true. We've all been concerned with the shift in the last couple of decades of commentary when it comes to journalism. But first, we're looking at even Pilate's question when he was confronting Jesus and asking, well, what is truth? Many texting in and saying, maybe some people need help finding it, researching it. Where is the trusted source? (laughs) And it seems like Brian doesn't have an answer. No, there, there, there is an answer because it's, it's not about the source. It's not about the source. It's about you. Hmm. It's about you. And here's what I mean. Christians decry moral relativism because it's truth solely based on feeling. That my feelings determine what is true. And if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus is true, not your right. feelings. And yet here we are, as many Christians are using the litmus test for truth, their feelings. Mm -hmm. As in, I like this truth, I don't like that truth. This feels true to me, that doesn't feel true to me. This fits with my narrative, it doesn't fit with my narrative. Mm -hmm. We are in a epically, horrifically dangerous place when Christians are arguing about what is true. And it's even more dangerous when we're arguing what is true based on how we feel. This is so important. And I have two things that I think illustrate this point, one from Scripture and one from church history. And they've changed me. That's why I like to share them a lot. One of them has to do with that very famous story that I've shared far too many times about Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms. He was accused of heresy by the church, and in that time period, in the 1500s, if you were accused and convicted of heresy, you could be killed, and the person who killed you would have not no sin consequence according to church teaching at the time. So it's essentially a death sentence. And Luther was asked to recant his writings about grace through faith. He wrote about the truth of the gospel that contradicted what the church was teaching at the time. And he was asked to recant it. And his answer is Packed with power. What he said is, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Now, did Luther want to die? No. Right. He didn't even want to leave the Catholic Church, I have to be honest with you. He wanted to reform it. Mm-hmm. And so he knew that if he recanted his work, he'd be safe. He'd rather do that. He'd rather be safe. But since his conscience is captive to the word of God, he, his feelings were no bearing on what his actions needed to be. Mm-hmm. His conscience was captive. He had no choice, which is, I think, the exact point that Paul makes in Romans 12. This is why I love Romans 12, too. We talk about this on the show all the time, that you don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but you let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And when you look at the entirety of chapter 12, Paul spends a bunch of time illustrating this idea that if you let God transform the way you think, it's counterintuitive. So he says in 1214, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. That's counterintuitive. It doesn't feel right to bless someone who persecutes you. But the truth of Jesus Christ dictates that that's what you do. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can know you are honorable and live in peace. Never take revenge 
I mean, the heart longs for revenge. Feelings long for revenge. Yeah. But Jesus says no. Paul goes on to say, if your enemy's hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Those are counterintuitive things where Paul is essentially saying, let God transform how you think. And he's saying, like, for example, check this out. Thinking like Jesus is counterintuitive. It's not coinciding with your feelings. And so isn't that the problem we face? It's not about the news source. It's about the feeling. Yeah. We've got people that determine what is true based on feelings, what they like, what they'd prefer to be true, what's more convenient, right? Yeah, and I think also now that you put it that way in this context, we've talked about the concern of biblical illiteracy in America. And I think it's difficult to stand on truth if as believers we're saying the truth is the Bible, Jesus is truth, if you don't know what the Bible has to say. Right. So it gets easy it's easier then to be lazy about it and just label like, well, this is what Christians do, but follow whatever narrative kind of feels comfortable. I'm and I'm also saying that because when you're like, well, you're going by feelings or you gotta seek truth. Those who are doing it, I don't think they realize that. And that's part of my concern. Yeah, because if you part of like looking for a solution or healing is acknowledging that there's a problem. So we could talk about this all day long. And if the person that's that's caught up in that doesn't acknowledge the problem, you're not talking to them. It's like they're not listening. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are deceived in that. They like Jesus. They found some things he said that, that agrees with them. Hmm. But are they really following him? Are they willing to surrender their conscience to Jesus? Even if it moves up against their ideology, that's true surrender. When you get rid of your own feelings and you ask God to change your feelings. Because you know what people do? They, like you were indicating, they take stuff out of context. They go, I like that Jesus guy. Yeah. Um, I hate all this wicked, evil stuff on TV. So, oh, check it out. Romans 12, 2 says you shouldn't copy the behavior and customs of the world. So, you know what that means. Don't watch TV. Exactly. Or listen to secular radio. Right. Yeah. No, if you look at Romans 12, 2, Paul is teaching about the idea of surrendering your thinking to Jesus, who is truth. And truth is often counterintuitive to your feelings. Mm -hmm. Or you could just turn that verse into whatever you want. You're right, though, Janelle. I think a major problem with biblical illiteracy is that people turn Jesus into who they want him to be because they're afraid to actually surrender to who he really is Yeah. because it's inconvenient and it runs up against our feelings and our desires. Yeah, we fall into that illiteracy by breaking down Scripture into too small of chunks. We'll have a verse of the day calendar. There's no context. It's just the verse that makes you feel good. You've got your life verse, yeah, which is something, again, that makes you feel good. And chances are, if you ask Dr. Rydelnik about it, he's going to back up, put it in context, and it means nothing like what you think it means. Exactly. Which is why if you've spent much of your Christian life pleasantly surprised at how much God agrees with you, <laughs> are you truly following Jesus? I mean, there's been times in my life where I got to tell you, the call to love your enemy is not convenient. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is a challenge. You know, surrender is uncomfortable. Yeah. Turning the other cheek 
Does it make sense? Where, yeah, what I've had to say, almost like Luther, well, you know what I want to do is punch that guy in the face. That's right. But mm-hmm. my conscience is captive to the Word of God. I have no choice because I've surrendered to Jesus. Christy, in Alliance, what are your thoughts? Oh, I could not agree more with all of this. And I'm just sitting here listening to the radio going, yes, preacher Brian. Yes, preacher Brian. Why aren't preachers saying these things? You know, I think that there's a lot of things, especially just this past year, that... Are you getting that amen in the background there? Yeah, your your child (laughs) agrees with you. You got a one-year-old amen. (laughs) (laughs) I love those kinds. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I think that there was so much chaos this year and it really kind of highlighted, like you guys said, the the lack of transparency in a lot of things. But in searching for those things, I think that we then made the news our God or these certain issues our God, like that that is what's going to save us or save America or even transform the church. And it's not it. It's radical obedience to the Lord and, and asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what is every other Christian doing? What do you want me to do? And and when we start with that, and just like you said, if we spend all of our life thinking, oh my goodness, the Lord agrees with me, we're not going to get anywhere. And no. our life is not going to be transformed. And I mean, if you end up reading the Sermon on the Mount and go, oh, what a nice sermon. <laughs> Have you really read it? It's earth shattering. Mm-hmm. It's counterintuitive. <laughs> It'll rock your world. Or you just go, oh, it's cute. It's nice. I'm blessed. I like peace. Anyway, next chapter. Christy, what's your baby's name? Ezra. Ezra. Yay, Ezra. We love Ezra. He's a godly man after the Lord's own heart. May it be so. I prayed that over my kids. And may may the Lord bring strong, bold faith to your little Ezra. God bless you, Christy. Thanks for the call, sister. Thanks. Bye. An interesting, uh, not challenge is the wrong word, point from Melissa just came in about, are you all totally ignoring the value of reliable sources? Ah, good point. No. I mean, we haven't brought them up yet because what, what I wanted to emphasize first was some spiritual truths that Jesus isn't your encyclopedia where you just try to go and find the answer you want. A full surrender to Christ involves your heart and your mind. And the truth of Jesus Christ is going to make you uncomfortable and have you do counterintuitive things that run against your feelings. But now when it comes to discerning news, there's some uncomfortable realities that people have to accept. Number one, we need to be able to tell the difference between commentary and reporting. There is a yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody Number texted one. that earlier. We read that. How do you tell the difference between opinion and fact or opinion and true news? That's that's a much longer answer for a different day. And if you don't know, you're not sure you know, I'd encourage you to go get a book or go read online <laughs> okay. the okay. difference. But but that's where it starts. But, okay. you know, very basic idea would be Congress passed bill number 22 versus Congress passed bill number 22 and it's stupid. Right. Wow. Okay. One is fact. Yeah. One is opinion. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay, so, but here's the other uncomfortable truth that people just don't want to hear these days. I don't know why, but there is such a thing as journalistic standards. You're never going to get rid of bias, but there's a distinct difference between an organization that at least tries to uphold journalistic standards versus Bob's blog that he's calling thetruthforchristians.com. Because they'll always throw in Christian in there to try to whitewash any blemishes that show. <laughs> yeah, I actually had someone send me an article recently from a site that was like, I don't even know what it was. Just let's assume it's like 
christiansfortruth.com. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, and I went to try to investigate just for a few moments who's behind it. And it was just some random guy. Yeah. Not a journalist, yeah. no editors, no one checking his work. Mm-hmm. Just some guy who likes Jesus, but he's going to tell you what's true. Red alert, red alert, <laughs> run, 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 run away, run away. Yeah. So, Ron, help us with, I mean, there are such things as journalistic standards out there. Right. There's a group called the Society of Professional Journalists. And uh, I, I Googled that with Code of Ethics, and it came up. They do have a Code of Ethics. This was revised September 6, 2014. It has like five major headings. Seek truth and report it. Minimize harm. Act independently. Be accountable and transparent. And then um, amongst each of those, there are further details like under seek truth and report it. Journalists should take responsibility for the accuracy of their work. Verify information before releasing it. Use original sources whenever possible. Now, original source is like you hear directly from the person. You don't hear that Bob's wife's cousin said that Bob admitted to committing the crime. Yeah. That, that's indirect, and it won't hold up in a court of law. You need to use original sources whenever possible. Well, and you know what? One of the best places to see this in action is actually that old 1970s Robert Redford uh, movie, uh, All the President's Men. Okay. Where it tells the story of Woodward and Bernstein trying to get the story of Watergate out. Mm. But their editors kept making them go back to find multiple sources, verify information. And while we might not, you know, there's bias in organizations and what gets out. Mm -hmm. I think we need to lean on organizations that are committed to try to figure out what's true. Going to Bob's blog, or I hate to tell you this, but if I see another Christian send me a YouTube video that is their source of truth, I think I'm going to weep. Yeah. It is so tragic. That is not reliable in any stretch. YouTube? You have to go to the source. Who Who is posting this on YouTube? And most times it's not the BBC or a reputable uh, news organization. No, it's just some guy with this in selfie mode saying stuff. Yeah. Claims to be a doctor. Do you see his uh, uh, credentials? He gets paid when you watch his video. Right. He says stuff so that you will watch his video. Right. So that he can get paid. And the more inflammatory the content, the more likely people are to watch it. Say, oh, I don't know. Let me let me see that. We have to remember that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that following him doesn't just involve acute prayer. It involves surrendering your life to Jesus and trusting him alone for your salvation. And when you follow him, you learn to live in the way he expects you to live. And I promise you it's counterintuitive. It runs against your feelings. And if your faith is convenient and it always agrees with your ideologies, you are in a very dangerous place. Very dangerous place. Brian and Janelle here at Moody Radio, preaching about the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus, Church in Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania. We are not going to be ones who determine truth by our feelings. Will you let Christ transform the way you think? 
Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So look down, hit that button right there, subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us. How? A five-star rating. You can also hang with us live weekday 6 to 9 a.m. Interact with us, talk with us, download the Moody Radio app. Or at brianandjanelle.org. And we don't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind all this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Well, Brian, that's a wrap. Yep.